0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... ACB extends best retirement wishes to Executive Director Melanie Brunson. Welcome to ACB Reports for September 2015. On September 30th, Melanie Brunson, Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind, will transition from the workforce into retirement. After joining the ACB staff as Director of Advocacy in 1998, she became the Executive Director of the organization in 2004. This month, ACB Reports presents Melanie's final address to the annual conference and convention as the organization's Executive Director.
1: We have had a good year in the ACB offices. You've heard already about much of what has happened during earlier reports this week, and I don't want to revisit the things you've already been told about. But I do want to take a few minutes to acknowledge the outstanding people that work with me in both of ACB's offices. First, I hope all of you have an opportunity to meet our newest employee, Kelly Gask. She joined our staff in March and has really become a tremendous asset to ACB. Eric Bridges and I have told her she can't leave. (laughs) She is stuck with us. Thank you, Kelly. And speaking of Eric, the longer I work with Eric, the more impressed I am by his passion for advocacy, his commitment to ACB, and his intellectual agility. Eric is one of the most thoughtful and creative people I know, and we are very fortunate to have him as a member of ACB and a part of our staff. The other person who is vital to the functioning of our office and our organization is, of course, our editor, Sharon Lovering. Sharon is, in many ways, the voice of ACB, both on our telephones and through each issue of the Braille Forum. Sharon is always upbeat and always ready to lend a hand on any project. When Francine Patterson resigned at the end of last year, it took a while to find... Kelly, our administrative staff person. And so when it came time for mid-year, Sharon helped Eric and me get all of the materials ready for that while she was still working on membership lists and the Braille Forum. We have a great team in the Arlington office. And we have another great team in our office in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota headed by Lane Waters. Lane, Nancy Becker, Laurie Sarf, and Dee Finn are superb stewards of an amazing amount of detail about ACB, its members, its donors, its financial assets, and its activities. I have yet to come across a challenge these folks can't tackle with efficiency, accuracy, and timeliness. In fact, they also took on extra work this past February to help us with the mid-year meetings. Nancy Becker even took on a snowstorm so that she could join Lane in Washington and help us with registration during the mid-year meetings. I'm sure you have all seen again the great work that Minnesota does because of the caliber of operations in convention registration this past week. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tremendously dedicated and talented staff who care deeply about ACB, its work, and its members. Please join me in thanking them for another year of great work. You know, one of the things that I've had conversations with several staff members about this past year is how frequently we leave home in the morning thinking the day ahead will be pretty routine and uneventful and it'll be a great day to catch up on all the ordinary office work, only to have that routine shattered totally by unforeseen events. One example of that happened earlier this year, in 2015. Eric got a phone call from a reporter that totally changed the course of his day, to some extent mine, and even, to some extent, Kim Charlson's. The reporter wanted comment from ACB about a news story that none of us had yet heard. The story was that a blind child, who was about eight years old, had been disciplined for allegedly hitting another child while on a school bus with his white cane. The discipline that the school principal had decided to impose was to take the child's cane away and give him A pool noodle in its place. You know those long foam rubber things that are usually very brightly colored but are also pretty flexible and I would guess as a former cane user not particularly useful for the sort of things you would use a cane for. Later the principal said That the child only had to use the pool noodle while sitting on the bus, but was allowed to keep it while actually walking around. But that fact, if it was true, was not evident at the time the story was broadcast all over the Internet and on morning news programs on television. But when we received the call, we all started reading those various accounts of the story. And Eric gave comments to the reporter, after which he and Kim and I conferred about a statement. ACB issued a press release, which was posted on our website and social media, in which it was a great opportunity to tell the news media and the general public about both the purpose for which white canes are used by people with visual impairments and their value to the user, both of which had led us to the conclusion that the punishment that was issued to this particular child was greatly out of proportion to the nature of the offense that he had allegedly committed. Very few other children would be required to give up their means of independence for engaging in the conduct that he had engaged in. That does not justify the conduct. What we said was it is simply that the punishment that was issued to him should be appropriate to the offense that was committed. That afternoon the school principal issued a statement to the press announcing that the child's white cane had been returned to him and that he would be able to use it during school. I don't know how large or small a part we had in bringing about that decision, but if we had done nothing, I do know we would have had no part So I like to think we help that child regain his independence and his dignity. And we've seen many other instances throughout the past year where we have had an opportunity to influence for good the lives of other people in both small and large matters. And some of those opportunities are still ongoing, and the results are yet to be determined. But it is that sort of occurrence that has made all of our lives so exciting and so rewarding as part of your staff. And I've had a lot of occasions over the last few weeks to think of similar instances that have occurred during my entire time with ACB. As most of you probably know by now, this is the last time I will stand here and report to ACB during a convention as your executive director. On June 3rd, I announced that I will be leaving ACB's staff at the end of September. I don't have any detailed plans just yet, except that one thing I know for certain, is that regardless of whatever else I do, I will continue to do something that involves advocacy on behalf of people with disabilities and the issues that ACB in particular has been involved in. I can't stop that. I believe in inclusion, Of people with all disabilities in all parts of our society. I believe in the dignity of each life. I believe that each person has a right to help shape his or her own destiny. And I believe that in order to do that we all need choices and we all need the same choices that people without disabilities have. And I want to continue to work to make that a reality. I may stay where I am in the Washington, D.C. area if the right opportunity comes along. But if it doesn't, my husband and I may hit the road in our recreational vehicle, see the country a bit, and look for other opportunities to help the cause in other parts of the country. In any case, I expect to have some interesting adventures as I enter into a new chapter of my life. But as I have thought about this approaching new chapter, I have also thought back over the last 17 years, as I said a minute ago, that I've worked for ACB. I recall the other day, the first time that I stood in a podium and reported to a Convention in the summer of 2004. And I remember making reference to a famous statement that was made by Senator Robert Kennedy when he was running for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States in 1968. That statement went something like, some men see things as they are and ask why. We dream things as they ought to be and ask why not. I noted on that evening that one of the things I liked about being a part of ACB was that we're not afraid to be among those who ask why not. Little did I know what amazing results our willingness to ask that question would bring forth over the next 17 years. When the federal court said the Federal Communications Commission could not mandate audio description on television, ACB asked why not? And the eventual result was the passage of the 21st century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. When states and local governments around the country started saying there was no way they could provide people who have visual impairments with ballots that were just as private, Independent and verifiable as those cast by voters who have vision, we asked, why not? And we kept asking, why not, until we saw the passage of the Help America Vote Act and it being signed into law by the president. When the Social Security Administration said they couldn't send correspondence to people who can't read print in alternate formats that they could read, we asked why not. And the result was a court order requiring them to do exactly that. And when the United States Department of the Treasury wouldn't even talk to us about ways to design banknotes in a manner that would enable people with visual impairments to tell which denomination of banknote they were holding in their hand without assistance, we asked why not. And so did several judges of the federal court system. Both at the district court level and the appellate court level. And now we've seen the first step toward provision of meaningful access to banknotes in the launch of the Money Reader Distribution Program during our convention in 2014. And we've just been told that we could have accessible currency by 2020. These are just a few examples of some incredible things I've gotten to see ACB accomplish during my time as your executive director. Sometimes we were fortunate to be a part of some tremendous coalitions that helped us make these things happen, such as the COAT coalition that wrote the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and shepherded it through the legislative process. But sometimes we've gone out on limbs, pretty much on our own, and asked, why not? And advocated for what was right until we got results. And it is that kind of tenacity, commitment, and just plain love for doing the right thing that I've seen demonstrated throughout this organization over and over again. I'm not just talking about staff now. I'm talking about each and every one of you, those in this room and those listening on the radio and those who can't be here at all. From the phone calls concerning tenants of apartment buildings who come home with their first guide dog all excited and ready to go only to find a notice from their landlord saying there will now be extra charges added to their rent because of the presence of the dog and the help that you all have given to those people, to the calls to congressional offices, you have made seeking support for legislation we've gotten results because many of you have joined with us and been willing to help bring our message to people all over the country and around the world who needed to hear it that's what has kept me here for so long As I prepare to leave my professional role in ACB, I want to thank each of you for all that you have done. Staff can only do so much, but all of you have a role to play that is just as vital to ACB's future as anything we do in the offices. And I just want, in closing, to say thank you for every bit of it. It has been a tremendous privilege to know so many people as friends and to work with so many of you as advocates. I cherish the memories, and I will always consider this an incredible experience. So thank you for every part you've played in making the time that I've spent at ACB an incredible privilege. Thank you.
0: That was Melanie Brunson, Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind, with her final report to the annual conference in that capacity.
2: From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports.
0: Following Melanie's report, the Assembly heard from four former presidents of ACB, along with current president Kim Charlson, each of whom shared stories about working with Melanie Brunson. While time constraints will not permit the inclusion of all of their remarks, ACB reports will share the comments of former president and former executive director Oral Miller about how Melanie became a member of the ACB staff in 1998.
2: 1998 was an interesting year in that it was looking good for the American Council of the Blind in many ways. We had an experienced administrative staff under the direction of the late Anne Fesh, filled by, among others, the Lovering Sisters. And an experienced editor, Nolan Crabb, with an improving income situation from uh, the thrift stores and from the federal donation program and increasing recognition by congress action on the hill etc a vacancy took place at that time and that was for the staff attorney the position was advertised and applications were received one that came in was from whittier california The decision was made, and she was selected. I was not worried because we were in the process of employing a female attorney because it had been my pleasure to work with a number of outstanding professionals over the years, people such as Julie Carroll, Barbara Nelson, going as far back as Kathleen McGivern, At the same time, I was preparing for my own retirement and we were looking forward to Melanie's arrival When received a call one day to the effect that as she and her husband were driving across the country, their motorhome had died in New Mexico and they proceeded to uh, limp on across the country and that's the way she described it. And they did arrive, and she did assume the new position. I spent uh, a good part of my remaining time in the national office assisting her in becoming familiar with her new job and uh, learning what it was like working in Washington, D.C. As others have described it, and as I occasionally describe it, the land of taxation without representation (laughs) and at the same time dealing with all the issues and so forth that it was necessary to deal with. I was very pleased with the reaction I got. I was very pleased with the response from Melanie in terms of both the skills, the approach, and the technique she used in becoming familiar with this new job. So I felt very much at ease as I retired and left her in the position as the staff attorney, a position which she held for a few years, and then as she went on down the road, of course, dealing with the other people who were then president and dealing also with a new executive director. Melanie, best wishes as you move ahead.
0: That was Oral Miller, a former president and a former executive director of the American Council of the Blind. The retirement tribute to Melanie Brunson concluded with the unanimous adoption of the following resolution. Resolution 2015-04, Melanie Brunson, Whereas Melanie Brunson has offered hard work and faithful service to the women and men of the American Council of the Blind, ACB, for 17 years, and whereas a lawyer by training, Melanie joined the ACB National Office staff in 1998 as ACB's Director of Advocacy Services And whereas Melanie ultimately assumed both the advocacy services and public policy responsibilities of the national office staff, serving as ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs until her eventual appointment as ACB Executive Director in 2004, and whereas throughout her tenure, Melanie has been a fierce champion of the rights and capabilities of people who are blind or visually impaired, And whereas, among her many accomplishments, Melanie most recently played a key role on ACB's behalf in negotiations leading to the signing of the historic Marrakesh Treaty to eliminate the worldwide book famine for people who are blind or visually impaired around the globe, and whereas Melanie particularly excels in her one-on-one work with individual ACB members experiencing a challenging rights or benefits issue, And whereas Melanie has announced her intention to retire this fall, now therefore be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in convention assembled on the 8th day of July 2015 at the Sheraton Dallas Hotel, Dallas, Texas, that this organization express its sincere gratitude to Melanie Brunson for her many years of hard work and commitment to the membership of ACB And we, the women and men of the American Council of the Blind, wish Melanie every happiness and much fulfillment in her retirement. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide, on side four of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.